Hello and welcome to Anne and Steve Talk Stuff, where an artist and an economist walk into a podcast to talk about strange things that make the world go round. This is our first podcast of 2022, and it is, well, a time of recording, it's technically August, but let's face it, you're going to be listening to this in September, and that's that's a long time. Stephen, we have not talked stuff in pretty much nine months. I know, I know. It's been, uh, it's been... Um it's been a, it's been just a really really busy time. I can't describe. I just cannot describe to you how insanely busy it's been. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I you know, I, I know we've we've we met we've met uh, and stuff. But but there's there's been little time for podding, unfortunately. Um, little time yeah. for podding. You you've been a busy bunny. I've uh, been a busy bunny. You've been a busy bunny. I'm. But this is. I don't know about you. And I mean, literally, twenty twenty two has just felt like a juggernaut. It's like yep. it's like uh, the, pre- the pressure built up behind the closed doors and the doors open and everything just rolled out that had been building up. Um, and I mean, I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy to be back in rooms and back doing things. Uh, I have missed our potting, which mm, doesn't, really, doesn't really happen in a room, but it has been immense. Uh, and I feel like I, I have this thing that people often say, like, what, what's been going on? It's like, well, lots and, and kind of nothing. Like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know where to begin. <laughs> but can I be clear? The nine months does not denote um, a, a pregnancy or something like that in case there was <laughs> any framing around that. <laughs> any, any maternity leave or something. And any excessively Freudian listeners can just turn off right now. You know? Oh. But, <laughs> yeah. oh. So your 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 immersive um, software engineering course is it it's it's up and running now. Well, um, so that's one of the things. So, so I mean, since we last podded, I guess it's a verb now. I don't know. <laughs> it's a verb twenty December twenty one. Yeah. Last time we talked about yeah. humans and machines merging. So what's happened? Um, so I I got promoted. So that's one thing that happened Ew. in work. Yes. So yes. now I'm professor of economics. That's nice. Um, <laughs> inflation has taken away every single gain. <laughs> so there's, there's that. Um, but, but, um, 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 I've also taken over as head of department, which means I'm, yeah, nominally responsible for like 28 people now. Um, so they, and I, when I say nominally, people who are listening to this who are academics will understand what that means. But essentially, I'm sort of, I'm less their boss and more like a fire hydrant, you know. <laughs> um, so it's not quite the same as being the the big guy in charge. It's not quite me. Um, it just means I I, I have um, but I, I've been doing. I've, there's been a lot that 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 job on its own is a full time job. Um, uh, and I've also been teaching and, and doing some traveling. And then I've been, um, and then this immersive software engineering thing has been absorbing a lot of time. That is also a full-time job. Um, so that's where we've been basically building this brand new software, brand new thing. And it's kind of gone from strength to strength to strength. So we, since we spoke, you know, it went from theory, you know, to, you know, we're not totally sure, you know, it's, it'd be nice if it happens to um, students actually applying for it on the CAO forms and dealing with the realities of that. And then we have a portfolio, so people needed to submit a portfolio. And uh, we were talking to loads, I mean, hundreds of companies were getting involved. We announced a massive partnership with AWS. So they're going to fund fellowships forever, which is incredibly rare in higher education. It's, it's, it's just, it just these kind of endowments, they happen in America, but they don't happen here. Um, and uh, it's a, it was a pretty huge, um, a pretty huge announcement, but a really huge investment too. And of, of, and I mean that in every sense of, of everyone's time and just making sure that happened properly. Mm. And um, as we record, we're 18 days away from meeting the students. So these students, so we're getting the building ready for them. So, you know, walls, lots of, wall, lo- 
lots of hoovering, yeah. lots of Wa- dust. Walls hanging. are being painted. Walls are being painted <laughs> as we speak. No joke. Like walls are being no, painted. No. Um, I was more picturing uh, you, you, know, you, hoover, you hoovering the place. Uh, I, I, I actually, uh, at a certain point um, over the last few months, I have said, I will paint this thing myself when I meant it. Um, but look, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then, you know, dealing with the challenges of, of uh, where the rubber meets the road on that. Mm. You know, and then there's the other stuff. I've been writing a huge amount. So really, really every week I've been writing a column in the currency. I've been, um, uh, right. You know, I, I, uh, I've, we've gotten my research group, which is a totally different thing again, has gotten a, a, a bunch of money to do stuff. So it's, it's just been like, yeah, it's been, it's been like every so often I gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have about seven full-time jobs by the sound of things. It's, so. Yeah, but I, I mean, I've got lots of, lots of people working with me, so it's not like I'm, you know, it's not like I have a hump on my back from carrying the whole thing. Like you just work <laughs> with, you work with good teams of people, and um, you agree what you're going to do, and then you leave them off to go do it because uh, they're smarter than you, so it's fine. But it's, yeah. it's, uh, I, I won't pretend that there haven't been some moments when I'm like, <laughs> you know, um, but, but, but all of which is, is a long winded way of, of, of saying, um, yeah, of saying, I guess, a little bit sorry uh, for, for not doing more pods with you. Well, but, this but was also, the thing yeah. I, I did want to yeah. say to listeners. Our listeners, um, yeah. All three of you, um, we're sorry that we haven't been here. Yes, you know, um, we are sorry. No, because I, I, I know as a listener of other podcasts, I like to rely and know something is coming. So we, so this is a, this is a bit of a, an apology return episode. But yeah. we are back. We are back. We're back. We're back. Yeah, we're yeah. monthly. We're, we're with yeah. you. Um, I have been uh, directing and and. Um, and writing and, and performing. They're the three things I do generally uh, in my life. And I also will be doing some more writing with the Limerick Post as well as... as oh, amazing. That's a bit of crack. Amazing. Yeah. I didn't know that. That's cool. Watch this space. Oh, wow. Uh, okay. Yeah. It's, it's actually, and uh, I'll be... Ha- the date is pretty much being nailed down. Now we're going to do a live podcast with the Limerick Lady. Awesome. That'll be fun. So we'll have to think about this too, Stephen. Okay, uh, yeah. A, li- a live yeah. aspect at some point. Yeah, but first, look, we're yeah. just back. So <laughs> <laughs> we've managed to do an actual, like, uh, you know, we've managed to do an actual, let's face it, a Zoom link. So let's, Zoom let's, 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 let's move, move towards yeah. that. But it took us nine months to do a Zoom call. <laughs> <laughs> but there's a few, yeah, there's a, there's, there's a, a, a kind of a, a, a monthly kind of, Arts column feature coming to Limerick Post from me. Awesome. And, uh, yeah, a bit of crack. And Amazing. I will be, I'm writing a number of shows. They are going to be kind of coming into life for the next couple of years. So I'll keep you. And I did my own show again. I did it. Yes, in, um, saw that. For, for Limerick Pride. I brought. I saw morning, that. The morning after the life before came back for one night only. And it might come back again. It was a really good reception. I wasn't sure because this was a show I did a lot uh, up to 2019. And a lot of things happened, <laughs> a very big one, uh, that we all can relate to. But I, I wasn't sure how the show would would hold up after the pandemic. Yeah. And the good news was it was very well received. And cool. an interesting part of it is, so for those who don't know, the show kind of charts my own life, but then it looks at the marriage equality referendum in 2015. And obviously I premiered at 2017, performed it a hell of a lot between 17 and 19 and then did it again 2022 it's now kind of a historical document in a way it was quite a current currency piece now it's seven years ago and i had a my stage manager who i normally worked with has thankfully you know she's very busy and couldn't do the gig so i hired a young fresh out of college uh graduate from the BA in Contemporary Applied Theatre in Mary Eye, a young woman I've known for quite a while, her name's Erin Fitzgerald, to be my stage manager. And she was sitting there watching it and enjoying it and, you know, in rehearsals and went, yeah, I, I couldn't vote. I was 15 when this happened. <laughs> and that was weird. That was like, oh, the, the 20-somethings now watching this show are looking at something of the past that yeah. they couldn't engage in. So that was really interesting. Mm. And... 
Uh, but it wasn't a mark against it, which was what I was curious about. It's so a sign yeah, of a bit of art, right? It's a sign of art that you, it can transcend the, the current, isn't it? You, well, that's what you yeah. hope. You hope something yeah. stands alone, that it, it's not of a moment that then disappears and it must too. And, and that can happen sometimes. But I think I'm grateful. I'm grateful it's not the case. So Yeah, um, but it's fantastic as well. I mean, I, I was on holidays when, when, when it was premiering and I was kind of gutted that I couldn't go. But it, I, I'm... I'm I'm surprised. I, I'm not surprised that that you're finding that. I find exactly the same thing. So, when I'm teaching now about the global economic crisis, so I'm teaching people who are 18 about something that happened 15 years ago. So for them, the crisis has about the same emotional resonance as like the potato famine. It's just something that happened in the past, you know. <laughs> yeah. And it, it, I think, it does sort of mean that something becomes history faster than we think. Mm. I've often thought that, I've often thought that uh, because we're taught to think of history as, ha- as something that happens in decades, we think in terms of 50 years, 100 years, and the First World War, and all this kind of thing. But actually, I think it's about 15 years, you know? It's about 20 years, kind of that kind of time. And then mm. it becomes like, oh, right, you know, so then, so, uh, you know, I think we talked about this before on one of the podcasts, mm. but you can get like, Anglo-Irish bank merchandise, you know, like 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 heirlooms kind of things on on eBay um, uh, and all that kind of stuff. In the same way that you can buy, you know, you can buy, um, um, uh, you know, Weimar Germany's currency. You know, it's just like it's a weird thing to have, but okay, cool. You know, have a well, million rice I, I marks. Know, you know? I, I know, I know a young woman in in the theatre world as well, similar age, like whatever early twenties, who has a Telecom Aaron T-shirt. You know, with the <laughs> and. And she wears it with with an ironic pride, you know. But I, I just remember when that was everywhere. And yeah, yeah. And I think yeah. we're at this funny age, and I'm sure people listening to us, well, all three of you, maybe there's someone else in the room who's older, uh, maybe he's in their fifties or sixties, is going, yeah, this just just is going to keep on happening. This on. is the process. This is just what happens. And I, I think I remember when I was in my twenties, when suddenly something was the past, and and I was like, but. But I remember that. What do you mean it's the past? Like, what do you mean that's history? I, like the Berlin Wall coming down, I was, what, about 11, 10, 11. And, you know, seeing that on documentaries. And I was like, but, but I remember watching that on telly. Yeah. What, is that history now? <laughs> you know, like, I know it's a big thing, but wh- I, I remember it. Therefore, it can't be that long ago. It's like, eh. yeah, and it was, it was 30 three years ago now you know what i mean uh, yeah. whatever um so i think that's that is just a natural thing that happens and obviously for the likes of you and me Stephen, happy birthday recently thank uh, you by the way and i have one coming up myself mm-hmm. um actually this is episode 55 for for them that care um because we did do a ton of these uh in the pandemic we began doing them weekly and so yeah 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 from a monthly podcast, it suddenly became a weekly podcast. So our numbers kind of cranked up. And, then, <laughs> and now it's and then, like an annual podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoy it, folks. Welcome to Anne and Steve Talk Stuff 2027. Stephen, I noticed you're still trying to grow that beard. I started growing it in 2022. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and the world has changed so it much. Has. Like, even since December, since we last spoke, um, like as you said, suddenly <laughs> to fill my car, it just it just often doesn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> I look at the number and I go like, I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> no, we'll walk. <laughs> Let's walk. Yeah, yeah. The world has changed. You know, um, I think it's it, it's a mark of the the times that we live in that we we went from one giant crisis in January. You know, like like the last time we recorded, there were still restrictions. Uh, COVID was a big problem. Everybody was worried about Christmas being ruined again. You know, we were still talking about, will we have a meaningful Christmas and so forth. And then um, in early January, the government announced, no, lads, COVID over, back to the pubs. And we said, yay. And that was fine. And we had about a week and a half off when uh, Vlad decided to do his thing and invade the poor people of Ukraine. And that's created everything we're all aware of now. You know, everything from... 40,000 plus uh, migrants coming to to Ireland um, to um, vast uh, um, energy price increases. You know, I think they're, they're talking about 
um, they're talking about energy increases going up 200, 300%. You know, if this keeps going, like, I mean, that's, that's, that's the kind of thing that it would drive lots of households into poverty. And, you know, again, we're recording this about three weeks before the budget, um, where we're very, very likely to see huge giveaways to the public which will be absorbed and forgotten about almost immediately. Um, you know, you're, they're talking about uh, spending something like seven billion, but just on things like offsetting the cost, the higher cost of fuel. So you're not going to feel any richer, right? You're just going to be like, oh, right, okay, I, that's that's gone now. So you got you got you got you got a credit in your energy bill. You know, of like two hundred quid or something a couple of months ago, um, and that that was fine. And you know, but I mean, I bet you barely noticed it. Um, that, yeah, yeah, that we, cost a billion quid, yeah. <laughs> right? Like it was a billion quid. The entire the, the public just swallowed that like a like a Labrador s- swallowing a fly and just moved on. You know, just like, <laughs> and just like like whatever. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, <we're> like, <laughs> and I'm like, that was a billion quid, and they're like, mm. you know. You know, we only we only deal in tens of billions these days to make us in, make us interested. That's yeah, it, just mind blowing. So um, it's a bit of a change. It's a bit of a change. It is. It is. And also, I mean, since last we spoke, I mean, I had COVID. Did you get COVID? Uh, yes, I think so. Maybe not. Maybe I got COVID before December. I can't right. remember. I can't remember. I've had COVID exactly once anyway. Our whole house got COVID. Right. And okay. um, and I was in bits, absolutely in bits, spent a week uh, with vertigo, absolutely destroyed, couldn't move my head. Nice. Uh, my wife coughed once and was fine and sort of looked at me like I was some sort of, you know, thing. I went, meh, no. You, you, you sense the regret uh, of the choice uh, of, of husband uh, at these moments. But like, yeah, yeah, she married a weakling. Uh, and that's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> she really did. Yeah, yeah. Now, to be fair to um, to my wife, she had three kids without so much as a paracetamol. So she's um, she's a lot tougher than, 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 than I am. But uh, yeah, uh, she, yeah we, we've all had COVID um, and thankfully gotten through it. Yeah, I, I mean... I suppose just our, our chats have varied so much over the years now. Years, mm. years, Stephen, <laughs> years we've been doing this years. Actually, we must be, we must be three now. I mean, I, d- I don't know. I think we started this in 2019. Uh, I think so. Yeah, I think it was 2019 and it was this ish time. I don't know. That's mad. I know. What is time? What, what, is, what is anything? <laughs> <laughs> now you're thinking COVID thoughts. What is time? Is what this is Wednesday? Is this brain? Wednesday? When was the last time I wore pants? Not I, sure. You know? I did have a funny thing. Of, I don't know. The grey dots in my phone are very important. They they decide a lot. They cement a lot of what I'm doing. Like I, the grey dots go into my calendar and that's it. I know I'm doing this or I'm doing that. And just last week, <laughs> it was a few times someone said, so you know, Wednesday at this or Monday at that, I mean, huh? Okay. And realizing I had said in an email, yes, of course I will do X, Y, and Z, but had not put the gray dot in or, or had, but my, my brain is just not as sharp as it was. And really? I find that, you know, I'm turning into Maggie Smith. What's a weekend? No, but like <laughs> that in a way that things you know, I mean, like if like whatever about a routine weekly thing. But if someone has has booked me or asked me to do something, and I'm like, yes, of course. And then I I just it happened a couple of times in the last week where I I just got a text or an email going so blah, and I'm going, oh oh god, I'm in Dublin that morning. Okay, I'll I'll be back in time for that. <laughs> just those kind of things which didn't happen as much three years ago. I don't know. Yeah. I, and I do feel maybe the, the squashiness of of the last two and a half years has left my brain somewhat <laughs> altered. Uh, yeah, and I, I'm, I'm apparently I'm not alone in this. You know, uh, just, I, I think I think we've all been altered by the experience. I, I certainly certainly know. I know I have been. Um, my relationship with time is somewhat. Uh, non-linear anyway I really only mm. think in terms of weeks of semesters and then the rest of the time it's grand but mm. the 
for for me what's happened is so now i'm not i'm not the person in charge of my calendar a lot of the time mm -hmm. so i'm not so i could not tell you really what i'm doing tomorrow because other people add things to the calendar um and that means i'm like oh really <laughs> a lot of the time <laughs> um yes. and yeah so that that's sort of that's one of the weird things i've had to adjust to is you're not really in charge of yourself a lot of the time. You're sort of like, because of because of what you're expected to do, mm. you know, you have to be at meeting X, you have to go there, you have to be in this place, you have to talk to this person. And it's fine, you know, most of the time, because there's, there's people managing it, but a lot of the time I'm like, okay. And so you, it feels very strange because yeah. your day is entirely stacked from eight o'clock in the morning to six o'clock at night. Yeah, but you didn't really have much to do with it a lot of the time. Right, so it's very so, so. It's hard. It's really hard to describe. Um, but but um, it does mean that you know you're very efficient with time. Mm. You know, but uh, yeah, it's it, it's been an odd one. But I, I generally I'm not great with uh, with with time anyway. I've never been that never been that guy. I've, I've had to become better. But the the uh, one thing I think that that, that is it is really interesting. Uh, over the summer, we started started watching sli like slightly older films with the kids. Cause my, my my eldest is sixteen, middle guy's fourteen, my daughter's eleven. You know, they're they're bigger. We can just watch mm. things now that you know might contain a swear word, or you know, you go bar back enough, you get to a film in the eighties. They all seem to necessarily require a pair of boobs. Somebody's showing their boobs, and mm. what's really interesting is that you get these attitudes that like if you said this now you know like welcome to the council bus you're off to councilville where you may you know apply to be the mayor of councilville if you just keep you know if you keep pushing it so i was really interested in the in, in, in this because we were watching these these things like um surely from space balls Yes. Right. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So we were watching like the Obi Wan Kenobi thing, and I was like, oh, you know, it's grand, but like, like I every time I see those films, I just think about Spaceballs. I just think about the parody, the right. Mel Brooks film, and it's it's a brilliant, it's a brilliant thing from the eighties. But like, it is first off, it's filthy, right? My Second, Schwartz like, is as big as my <laughs> my Schwartz, you know. <laughs> The Schwartz, you know, uh, 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 you know, and all of that, and and then and so you're kind of going, oh, I've misremembered, you know, a little bit, but then yeah. another part of it, you're like, another part of it, you're like, oh my god, you know, I I, I didn't, I, I I don't remember these attitudes, and it's just clearly like 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 the attitudes are not brilliant, and definitely not pass the, the sort of the me too test a lot of the time, right? Um, but what is absolutely fascinating is, you know, some of it's like cringy. You know, mm. and, 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 and what, what, what it's, what I find really gratifying is my sons call this out and go, Jesus, that's not, that's not great there, Dan. I'm like, yeah, no, it's not great. Yeah. <laughs> Knowing for a fact that I didn't notice any of this the first time I saw it, I was like, that's just funny. You know, mm. then now you're like, oh, okay, you're right. Um, but, um, and in particular, you really notice about like you know um, attitudes to women. It's the most obvious thing, right? So um, I was I was I was in a secondhand bookstore recently, and I, and I came across this amazing book. It's called "Secrets About Men Every Woman Should Know" by mm. Barbara DeAngelis. So it was published in um, nineteen ninety two. Oh wow! Okay. Um, so it's and this is this is uh, the first edition. <laughs> there was not a second. Mm -hmm. um, and so uh, it's 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 a self help book uh, by um, Barbara Angelis, PhD. She's a world renowned relationship psychologist and counselor. Um, she's the author of The Real Rules: Are You the One for Me? and the most hundred most asked questions about love, sex, and relationships. Again, in the eighties and nineties. So this is mm. kind of interesting. So I'll just to read the, read you the blurb. This book reveals secrets about men and sex that men will never tell you. The six biggest mistakes women make with men: what men say and what they really mean. Men's top 20 turnoffs. <laughs> the, the five biggest mysteries about men. There is literally no mysteries, but okay. How to spot and avoid the men who will give you the most trouble. Red flags. The, this would now be called the ick. Mm -hmm. How to get the man you love to open up. Techniques for becoming a more powerful woman. You think they would have put that at the start, but no. <laughs> anyway, 
Anyway, th- this is just amazing. Uh, this is just amazing. Um, uh, every single, uh, every single thing is, um, it's just, it's just brilliant. They've got these little, she, she's, she's obviously writing for somebody with a really short attention span. So it's like, um, uh, you know, it's like, uh, I'm literally, um, you know, uh, you have these call out cards. You can't, nobody, people listening can't see it, but there are these, these sort of bullet points that Mm -hmm. summarize two paragraphs as if you don't have the mental energy to hold the idea in your head, you know, like it's, yeah. it's, it's really going for a specific kind of reader. But um, so this is just from page 120. Um, um, uh, men define themselves primarily from their work and their accomplishments. Women define themselves primarily from their relationships. Oh, good. That's there, well, at least that's accurate. Yep. 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 There you are. There you are. Um, <laughs> men often misinterpret your emotionalism for hysteria. Assume you're in worse shape than you are and become frightened that once you stop, start, you won't stop. You know? Uh, so it's basically telling women how to adjust themselves and, and I mean, would you ever have seen a book like this written for you to understand women better? Well, I mean, if, just, if you look at the colouring... It's it's a, it's it's pink it's sort of a, a, a pinky purpley. Yeah. But, but out of curiosity, mm. I mean, these books are ten a penny, and I was yeah. exposed to a lot of this growing up. And I watch a lot of female relatives read books that they hoped would help them get husbands. I mean, and a lot of it was about making yourself smaller and about prioritizing the needs of the man and yeah. uh, and and figuring out what what's going on with him and trying not to upset him rather than taking a look at your own needs and how to be equal human beings in the world. Mm. So I'm curious, I'm curious, were you, you know, we're talking about uh, looking back at attitudes and that and the culture that we're in. And I get, can I say, I laughed my head off at a lot of stuff. I said so many things in my twenties that I would be mortified to say now. Um, so I'm curious. For you, do, do you have a memory of being around a version of that where you're being given books or male relatives, you know, were being given books of how they could figure women out and and, and accommodate them in some way? No, I don't think so. Um, I, I do know when I was in college, there was this big sort of um, there were a book that a book came out. <sighs> And a friend of mine read it, and, and and the way he described it to me was the way I reacted when I heard about this fella, Jordan Peterson. I just went, that sounds like a wrong and I'm not going to do that. But it was called The Game. And so this is a book about how to get girls, right? So it's not about like how to be a better person or whatever, but how to get girls. And you have to be mysterious and interesting and um, just sort of like subtly put them down you know, um, that kind of thing, uh, this kind of show to, to sort of, you know, get, get and, and there's the, the, the game, the system and all this kind of, um, stupidity. I, I've never read it, but it was, it was, um, it was clearly designed to be like a manual for how you sort of were to, were to live your life as a conquesting bloke, you know? So, so the, the, yeah. the, the through line there was things you could do to, to get someone, but ultimately, be in control and put them down a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that I, yeah, the putting down thing was like a was like a, one of the techniques. Negging the the kids call it. Uh, to to <laughs> that to sounds be disgusting. Yeah, to negging. Yeah, and uh, and I I've been on the other end of that. I've been in places Seriously? with people. Oh yeah, yeah. You're negging. Negging, and they think if they mildly insult you, you'll be oh I'm mm, tell me more. Because uh, then they can compliment you. Do you know what I mean? Like um, that's it. They want to cause a change, right? So you're like flat, and they want to change. So they go, oh, you know, and they make you feel bad, and they make you feel better. So they're yeah. in control then. Yeah, exactly. Oh, it's 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 really um, not fun to be on the other end of either either the insult or the compliment. Uh, you know, you'd like um, you'd actually be really beautiful if you. If you just smiled more, or first of all, what's wrong? What? Why aren't like what's wrong? You know, you're miserable. 
you be and then you should smile um which is always a great uh <laughs> incentive to smile is being told to smile uh but anyway that that that's just i mean i mean that's just a, a, a that's just a, a tuesday you know um but that's interesting is that what and we talk about the attitudes and, and the you know culture is the water we swim in it's the air we breathe the stuff mm. we can't see and, and then we watch these movies we watch the 80s movies where at any given time a woman's boobs fall out into someone's face generally an old ugly man's face and it's gas and you know, and she's somehow delighted. You know, depending on the eighties movie. <laughs> and, uh, which which movie? <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah. there's all often just like the boobs are there. And yeah, gen- yeah, yeah. And generally, it's often either a teenage boy or a lecherous old man is there, delighted. You know, yeah. whatever. That that tends to be um, the coupling mm. of, of of the experience, but also. Whatever about these movies, these books that all these women are reading are telling them how to how to make yourself smaller and accommodate and make space for a, a man in your life. I mean, it's good to be empathic and thoughtful, no harm. But there's no thought talk of your. I remember a female relative of mine telling me all this about how she needed to set up a cave for the man cave and all this, and he needs his space. And I just going. And um, what's your space? Where's your space? And like often it's the kitchen, which is a communal space. It's not a, it's not a, that's not a defined space. It's, it's a communal space. And, and also I think this person like had a husband who did cook. So it wasn't even like, <laughs> it wasn't even like she did all the cooking or something like that. But, but even that aside, it was just, I, all I see you bending over backwards and that you're being told to bend over backwards. And at the same time, then the books that are out there are telling, we're, we're just being coded these really toxic messages that aren't good for either of us, you yeah. know, no, and they aren't good for society. It's definitely not. I mean, I mean, I mean, no disrespect to Dr. De Angelis here, but, um, you know, oh, I, uh, I, I just, yeah. I disrespect. I yeah. definitely disrespect. Well, so, 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 so she's writing in 1990, this published in 92. She probably wrote it in 1991. Right. So, so, so in fairness to her, right. <laughs> in fairness to her, she's also swimming in the cultural soup and she's trying to, uh, sell a few books, make a few sell pounds, a, sell a few books, definitely. you know? Okay. So, so she's not, I don't think she went, now is my moment <laughs> to make women feel crap. Right. She, she always wants to help. Right. I mean, she's a, you know, she, she's a psychologist. She's, you know, she, you don't, you don't spend five years becoming a psychologist to make people feel crappier. This is sort of, and it's, it's sort of, it's, to, you know, it's, it's there to sort of make you feel, um, you know, uh, uh, but, it, but then there's sort of, there's sort of glimpses of truth there, um, in, in it as well. It's, 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 uh, you know, um, yeah, uh, you know the the various the various turnoffs. Um, Tell us about the turnoffs and are they <clears> accurate? <throat> women who are sexual traffic cops in bed. What? what? Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Straight on there. Uh, yeah. Stop going, sister. <laughs> 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 I wouldn't be starting from there if I was you. <laughs> There's roadworks going on over there. You, Does she you wear wanna... white gloves? Yeah. <laughs> and a high vis. Yeah, yeah. High yeah. vises are very. Come on there now, Patty. Come on. High vis vests are very sexy and very. Yeah, 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 exactly. But I mean, as um, you find that, as you find yeah. that, like, of course, with any problematic messaging, there, of course, is truth in it. And of course, she's a product of her time. Absolutely. Mm. I think what's, and I, I, any framing that people are evil and have, you know, it's very reductive and it's very, it's not true. Generally, really bad things are done by really good people with really good intentions, but misguided are, as I say, products of their time and are trying to sell a few books or are looking around them. Yeah. And they're looking at whatever power they can find, which unfortunately is often, uh, you know, feeding into and propping up the already oppressive shite that's going on and that that's mm. just that's just the norm and i 
I see this all the time, even today. I see particularly women of a certain age who just, um, they don't like to rock the boat. They don't want, they see, they don't want to be perceived as loud or, or shrill or hysterical or whatever. And, and you're basically just saying, no, no, you're just, you're just occupying the space that you're actually in. Like you're not, you're not asking for much. It's pretty low bar, you know, but, and oftentimes it's like, oh, don't be doing that. Or I don't want to be seen as bra burning. Interesting story. I think there was only ever one bra burnt and it wasn't really. Oh yeah. Like it's mad. Actually, this is probably a podcast of its own, but how something becomes iconic imagery, which is actually quite a false, um, false start. And, Oh, and it literally was a image, like it was. It wasn't anyone taking off the brand, burning it. It was literally a moment. I'll find it. I'll find it for another episode. But it's funny how these things become into our lexicon, and they're used to just as sticks to beat people with, and they're actually just reductive and a way of of of, ma- of kind of trivializing and making people seem stupid. Where actually, yeah. really intelligent people were making really decent arguments, and then it was like, how can we how can we put them in a box and throw them away? Yeah. But you see that that happening in other places. So um, uh, very often when I'm listening to commentators or I'm reading something and an example is used, I often ask, where does the example come from? Mm. Right. And it's often what you'll find actually is if you kind of run the, you can sort of reverse image search these particular things. They often come from a very, very dark place. So if you take the trans debate for a minute, um, now I don't know where everybody sits on the, both our listeners uh, sit on the trans debate thing. Um, and, you know, you can, you can absolutely say, you know, people will have concerns and, you know, need to learn more and so forth. But um, the example is, all, there's always, when you think about it, like, give me an example where this goes wrong, right? Where it's like, let somebody decide who they are, it goes wrong. And there's only two examples given. One is um, where some uh, rapist lad decides that he's a woman and so he gets admitted to a woman's prison. Or uh, in athletics, right, where all of a sudden, you know, you have uh, blokes lashing down the road, uh, beating um, 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 women uh, sports people or female sports people and so forth. those two examples, those exact two examples, are actually from uh, a right-wing think tank called the American Enterprise Institute. Um, they're always institutes these places, but anyway, the the you know I think when whenever you, you you come across these kind of examples, is really worth asking where you read it. You've already read it from somebody who was like who read it from somebody else. It was kind of regurgitated. But these examples are 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 very very clever framing devices. Right, and they're a bit like the bra burning thing. It's like they just they just pick that and they go, oh, you know, that's 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 terrible, you know, and 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 then they run with it. Um, I I want to have a discussion about like trans accountants, <laughs> you know what I mean, and giving a discussion about like you know how does how does how does uh, you know rather than talking about um, athletes and prisoners, talk about accountants and artists and um, economists, and you know, I think what you do is you immediately take a huge amount of the sting out of it because you realise the vast amount of these people, the uh, 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 trans people and others, they're not prisoners. <laughs> they're definitely not Olympic athletes, right? The vast percent, vast majority of them are like working in a startup or making coffees or, you know, running regressions in a university or whatever. They're just normal people just trying to like go for a, go for a swim. And the minute you do that, you know, uh, I was just listening to somebody yesterday go like, swimming is just something that doesn't happen when you're a trans person. You just don't do it because it's just like, Jesus, why would you make that hard for yourself? Uh, make that life for yourself and make, make your life harder. So anyway, I was, I was just listening to it. And I was like, fucking hell. Yeah, but, but it's, it's, it struck me that, um, it's often struck me that these contentious debates, the example is framed and it's framed to suit somebody's narrative. And it's always interesting to find out where you see it with the, um, you see it with the, the emissions debate as well. So we're talking about emissions just before the, 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 just before August, there was a big deal done on sexual emissions, right? And the, um, 
and and the vast amount of uh, of of farms that receive subsidies from the state are big farms. There, you get a sub- subsidy proportional to the size of your farm. So the bigger your farm, the bigger the subsidy, right? And many of these are large corporate conglomerates. They're not, you know, mom and pop and twenty cows, right? Yeah. So it was really interesting listening to people from the uh, IFA and other kind of lobby groups say, well. You know, we need to, you know, the family farms, family farmers, we need to really protect family farmers, and families, families, families. And they said, they must have said that word 20 times. 20, the Minister for Agriculture said the same thing. And it was that, it was really interesting the way the messaging throughout their campaign very deliberately shifted, you know, and um, you, you become aware that you're being manipulated, well, attempted manipulation. Um, and it's, yeah, it, 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 I think it's a bad thing because it means that you're constantly on your guard. You can't well, just feels, sit there and watch baseballs. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know this, I mean? is, this is or whatever. And I do think, like, we talk about, like, before, but words and language are so yeah. important. And yeah. you're talking about the framing. Like, even the word trans debate, it's, it's so problematic. Exactly. Because, yeah. I mean, you don't talk about... I don't know, the cis debate or this heterosexual debate, like we just live, we, you know, we just live our lives. And I know the stuff that's been said about trans people now is what was been said about gay people 30 years ago. Yeah. This idea of recruiting and corrupting and turning people. And like, it was interesting. Some people, my wife made the point recently, she said, there was talk like, we need to look at the marriage equality debate as you know, a time for discussion, and, and apply that to, to to the trans debate. And she was saying the marriage equality debate, for one thing, was traumatic and horrendous. And her, in the interest of balance, people were allowed to say the most damaging and life draining things. And really, did like a lot of queer people came out of the marriage equality um, referendum really, really damaged, and said like I don't know if that was worth it. Anyway. The people are given a license to say terrible things about people they don't know. People, and whatever about gay people, trans people, trans women in particular, trans women of colour, are the most likely people in the world to be murdered. Like, that's their reality. And as, as, now, and I'm, can we put our hands up right here? We are a cis man, a cis woman, talking about trans people. Like, like, like let's be clear, we are not... You know, like, we don't have experience of this. Do you know what I mean? Dude, I'm literally the default for fucking society. (laughs) Society's built around me. It's literally for me, Mm. right? Like, like literally, uh, heterosexual, white, you know, middle class, you know. It's, yeah, and we've talked about this. Literally, 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 buildings are built around me, right? So, so like, there's no, there's no, you know, I, I think I'm actually, so I'm five foot eight, and I think the average man is five foot eight. Like, it's literally me. It's right? you. So, so, uh, so, so we're, you know, I'm, I'm just putting my hands up because I think yeah. it's, it's often, you know, talking about people's lives that aren't your experience. But I would, I have since gotten to know a number of trans people. I think it's interesting how trans women are weaponized in the debate and trans men are invisible. You know, trans, trans men don't threaten men are mass you know what i mean they they in the way that there is it's used this idea that trans women are a threat to women or are a threat to i don't know lesbian erasure there's all this really toxic shit being said yeah i must learn more about that to 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 just make people hate and make people other and the interesting i saw a documentary a number of years ago about trans men and they were a lot of them are quite old, you know, and they were just like, you know, a lot of people don't particularly know us. Well, but we were brought up to be good, quiet girls, you know, and and the thing is, a lot of trans women would obviously have been men in their life and would have at a time experienced in a probably a very difficult way, but would have experienced male privilege in a voice that suddenly they didn't have and 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 have to fight so much and are way at our Oftentimes, not all the time, but trans women, it's very hard for a trans woman to walk down the street and not be noticed and generally maybe feel, I, let's face it, in danger a lot of the time. Um, so that's going to put you on your guard. You're going to, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, it, it's going to, no, I, I, I'm really not 
please, if anyone's listening, I'm not saying any sweeping generalization, like I know all this or it's clear, but this is just anecdotal observations. Some people I've talked to, some articles I've read, whatever. And like, it's it, it, always ask, and you, you said this, always ask, who is framing this? Who is pushing this? Where is your information coming from? Do your, Stephen has the most amazing bullshit detector, detector. It's, and just go into the archives. It's a number of episodes back. It's around vaccines, but it's, all, it's particularly around information. And, and, and I think always ask, what, what is this? Why is this being peddled? to me and why uh what is the goal and the big thing is and you said it you are the default uh i am only a few steps from the default do you know what i mean i am white middle class um first world cis uh but i i'm female and i'm queer so it's a few steps away from the default do you know what i mean but Always ask. I'm even from Dublin, by the way. <laughs> I mean, I mean, come on. <laughs> this fucker's from South County Dublin. I mean, stop. <laughs> but always ask what and you know? what is that? What is that being lashed out? It's like we don't like the thing that's different, whatever it is, and and it gets yeah. that arm gets stronger, slapping down. You know, the further away from the default you get, and yeah. it's just to ask the question because. You know, let's face it. What's our biggest gospel that we've discovered in all this is, you know, don't be an asshole, be sound. That's, yeah. that's probably be the sound. best thing you you can do in life, and the best way you can, you know, if you, I think it's fair enough to talk about fears you have in that, but you don't get to debate the existence of people. That's um, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, you I, talk I, about I, issues, but it, like, I think we need to change the term the trans debate because that is literally we are debating whether humans of that humans exist and the last little note i'd say is if you are not trans then it's not about you yes exactly and just educate yourself yeah 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 educate yourself and, and you know the weird thing about that thing the weird thing about that is we actually know how to do this now right so as traumatic as the marriage referendum and abortion referendums uh, and those campaigns were um so so there are um we know what to do now right which is basically you listen to the people who have actually experienced it so, so who no not not experts or lawyers or lobbyists or just listen to the people right and there's a there's a way of doing that you know now and if you look at how the um if you look at how the the uh, citizens assembly process worked yeah. If you look at how the um, Doyle, um, um, uh, the specific committees around those worked, you look at all that, you kind of go, okay, right, so the process is as follows. Set up a process where you, a uh, forum where you listen to the people whose lived experience it is. And then uh, have the experts in that area come in. So doctors, lawyers, whoever they happen to be, right? So people who were the demonstrable expertise in given in area X. And then just let the legislators do their thing. And often, and you know, often when that happens, okay, so there are people who are for emotion and against it. Fine. Okay. But, and that's, that's, that's just, you know, people have different views in society. But actually, what happens through that process is a huge amount of information gets released into the bloodstream of society and people just kind of go all right okay and it sort of updates everyone mm. you know and I, I can still remember you know mary mcaleese's intervention you know it's all it's everyone's sort of brain it was like their software updated people went, oh okay <laughs> all right okay and they sort of, they sort of went, oh, okay well that's grand so and it was really interesting because because uh that this i think these things happen to us i i'm a big i've thought a lot about um, the COVID and what COVID taught me, mm-hmm. um, and you know, and and how hard it was, uh, and also how again, you know, saying this straight up, how relatively easy, frankly, it was for me and people like me, yeah. right? Uh, so, so I had the space. My income wasn't interrupted. Um, you know, okay, my job went insane, right? That wasn't. That wasn't uh, the easiest thing in the world. But again, relatively speaking, it was relatively easy. So I had the space to think about what was happening to me as it was happening. Yeah. And I really, really reflected on it um, and about how we sort of conducted ourselves as a society. And we didn't get everything right. But but I think any um, 
I think any sober assessment of how we did as a society and as an economy through a COVID, you have to go, Jesus, you'd give yourself a C plus, like you, you, you know, we'd B minus, like we did, like it wasn't perfect. Jesus, people died. It was, there were some big mistakes made, but like by and large, we're all still here, you know, or most of us are still here and it's like, okay, right. Yeah. I was, I was asked to talk because I, I, I was um, involved in NEFA. I was asked to come and speak at this thing in Trinity a couple of months ago. And, um, I was, so it was like, what did we learn, <laughs> right? That was the point. So all the members of Neffet were there. I was like, well, these the economic impacts, blah, blah, blah. So there's a couple of panels and, and there were a few people in these, in, on these panels who, <sighs> without naming names, because it would be unjust, um, they didn't cover themselves in glory in the COVID process. Uh, they were saying things that were just demonstrably untrue the moment they said them and then calling for things that if they had gotten their way would have wrecked our society wrecked it right and now instead of doing the work of going jesus you know i said x would happen literally the opposite of x happened instead of going all right something about my model that generated that prediction was wrong I should think about the model. I should look inside, find, find, find out why, how was I thinking that I got this so wrong? They said, no, no, no. Our solution is 2x. And you're like, no, <laughs> no, that's not the answer. <laughs> Clearly not, because reality has happened. I have a very good friend who says, reality bats last. It doesn't matter what you think. You know, everyone has a model. Everyone has a theory. Everyone has some data. Everyone has a graph. Everyone has a prediction. But reality Bats last. It decides mm. who's right, who's wrong. And these people are demonstrably yeah. wrong. But so it was very interesting seeing them there going, I'm sitting there going like, like nothing you said would happen happened. You know, and I mean, maybe this is how people think about economists. I don't know. But anyway, I was sitting there going, Jesus. Um, but in that moment, I, just as I was about to sort of ask them a question, this exact question going, dear, you know, Professor Rex, mm -hmm. <laughs> why exactly are you still, why aren't you saying I'm sorry? Right, for mm -hmm. the, for what would the, the, it turned out that the room there's about two hundred and fifty people in the room in this lecture theatre. Turned out that about half the room was um, anti-vaxxers, right? And so they were who were sitting there. It's a public meeting; they're more than entitled to be there. Uh, but but there's about two hundred fifty people in the room, and about a hundred of them, they were just sitting there, and they were just quietly waiting for the moment to ask a question. Right, so there was me and Luke O'Neill and, and, and all these other people, and it was really interesting because, like, obviously, I'm not the focus of any of these people's ire. It's Luke, right, and, and Kingsley, and 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 these guys, right, um, and uh, and so I'm just like there off. I'm just some little man over to the side, right. So I'm I'm looking at this, and it was fascinating. They truly truly hated him they he couldn't say they were he would say something and they would just go liar and they like he they like from the toe liar and they were they were videoing everything he did they were um it, the the atmosphere of it of intimidation was extraordinary because they just knew they just knew that this guy was you know evil that he was you know a a corporate shill, a farm, a sellout. Somebody's trying to make our children sicker and kill our babies. And there was this amazing woman. Um, she was a doctor. Um, oh, her name will come to me in a moment. Her name is... Ah, it'll come to me in a minute. But uh, she's an infectious diseases consultant in, in James's. And uh, um, she's very funny. She's got amazing, uh, amazing ideas. But she said, you know, you know, and they're like, it's a hoax. And she's like, I have personally signed the death certificates of people who have died from this disease you know about a hundred of them i i can tell you i, I mean I, I, you know and she, what was wonderful about her was she did the exact opposite thing that i would have done i would have just gone you know yeah. i'm right energy. i'm right you're wrong bang 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 she was way way smarter than me she went she went can we all agree we would like the maximum number of humans to survive. And people are like, 
Yeah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so I was like, that's amazing. So she's like, so we agree on that, right? And then she said, and we agree that we would love if no one died of COVID. And everybody went, yes. She said, so the only thing we disagree on are the methods by which we limit the damage caused by the virus. She said, uh, it was the way she framed it and it, she took this energy out of the room. It was uh, three sentences where I, I would have been like, da, 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 right? And it, she was so brilliant. And then she goes, um, and then she goes, uh, now I've been t- 20 years a doctor. The, the basis of scientific consensus is that you use, a, you use a vaccine and you use therapies when they come into these particular, um, I can't remember the name of it. It's some kind of like gassing thing uh, when they go into uh, um, uh, the ICU. And she said, "Okay." And and then, and then that's 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 how we do it. And she said, "And you you think it's something else?" And people are saying, "Ivermectin, ivermectin, ivermectin." You know, use all this stuff. And she said, "There's no study that shows that that's useful." And it was it's very interesting. It really really was. And I was, uh, I was. Um, I was extremely impressed uh, by her and by my most people on the panel, particularly Luke O'Neill, who was demonized by them. And, and uh, 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 when we left, we left to go for a bit of lunch and they followed us and they were like, you know, putting these cameras in my face and who are you? What are you doing here? These, you know, pharma shills and so forth. It was very, it was very tough. Um, very tough experience but I left it fascinated by the idea that somebody could simply stare at you and know that you are just wrong and it has it's often got me thinking you know I wonder is that maybe the first time that's happened to me but I wonder you like you were talking about you know trans men trans women walking down the road does that happen to them every day does a milder version of that happen where someone goes, well, it's not right. You know, like, the, you know, I was kind of affected by it for about a week, <laughs> you know, and I, I'm not comparing my experience to theirs, of course, but it just struck me that, like, I, I've never been in, a, in, a, in an environment where somebody just knew that I was a wrong one, okay. you know, and it was, and I knew it in a serious way, like they were sure that I was a bad guy because I was, I'd spent um, time advising Neffet. Um, yeah, so so I think I think that is, uh, you know, narratives have an outcome. Um, well, yeah. yeah, I suppose it, it's, it's yeah. I mean, there's so many new layers and nuances to that. But I mean, I suppose you you got a little insight into what it is like yeah. to be on the other end of any kind of phobia. Yeah, I mean? yeah, 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 yeah. Um, In this yeah. case, economist phobia. But yeah, fair. You know. Well, well, yeah. You perhaps were getting... justified. Uh, actually, <laughs> perhaps justified. Well, look, Steve. I I feel we have. We've proved one thing. We certainly have plenty of stuff to talk and uh, we will be back talking stuff next That's month. So true. And it's so lovely to catch up with you. Yeah, you too. And, um, and yeah, like until next time, let us, uh, let us, I don't know, drink and be merry. I don't, be sound. Be sound. That's be it. sound. Be yeah, sound to each other, kids. That's on my t shirt. Don't be a gal. Be you sound. Know, be sound. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been a joy. And, yeah. uh, Keep you know, follow us on all the things, and uh, and I will see you hopefully in the real world. But if not, definitely on this again next week. All right, take care. Bye. Bye. You have been listening to Anne and Steve Talk Stuff, a Limerick Post podcast produced by Eric Fitzgerald. Theme tune is performed and composed by David Blake. Please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast, and tell your friends. You can now follow the show on Twitter at Anne Steve Talk. Get Stephen at Stephen Kinsler. He's a Stephen with a PH. Anne at Anne Blake 78. That's an Anne without an E. And the Limerick Post at Limerick Post. <laughs>